1: Hi, I'm Father Daniel DePlantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the Church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast
0: or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast.
1: welcome back to a catholic's perspective the podcast all about being a young catholic surviving in a secular world today i have a special guest with me kiara andrea welcome
0: thank you hi
1: hi i'm so glad you could be here i've been following you and jeff for quite a while now actually and you guys make beautiful music your voice is absolutely beautiful Uh, jeff is awesome on instruments he plays a bunch of different instruments correct
0: yeah. He, well, he plays guitar and sometimes bass. So yeah, that's a compliment. yeah,
1: Yeah. And I don't know if there's like actually one song I dislike at all. Like all of them are just so beautiful, but my favorite probably has to be, uh, you know, the Queen's Stands. I I just, I think it's really calming and it's really sweet. So mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Um, and our topic today, we're basically going to be talking about, you know, your guys' band. Um, and then we're going to discuss contraception and how it's affected marriage and why you know young women are being lied to these days and all that? But before we get started, did you want to introduce yourself a little bit more for the listeners? Sure. Um, so yes, my name is Kira Andrea, and
0: um, my husband Jeff and I started a, a band called Mercy Divine um, a couple years ago. Uh, but I started actively posting on Instagram and about I'd say like nine months ago. Um, and uh, we just our our whole mission with the music was to be Catholic. And to be boldly Catholic, and um, to try to honor our Blessed Mother and, and Jesus and the sacraments, the best that we can. We also play for Mass as well um, every weekend, every Sunday. Um, and I am a mom of three as well.
1: Oh, so. that's fantastic! I know I read on your guys's website that you guys are the music ministers for youth group program, right, at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish, right? We we were
0: we were for. Okay. That- Program that program has since like when COVID happened they mm-hmm. stopped the program but the music kept going so the mass that we played for kept going right um,
1: and you guys wrote like 150 psalms and hymns like that's a lot have you guys added to that since then I'm sure I mean
0: I I haven't kept track but I know we have pretty much every psalm um, written uh, for the site the whole three cycles of the church year so at least wow. the Sunday ones so yeah <laughs> that is that is a lot. <laughs> Seems like a lot, but it's kind of funny because I basically was just being lazy. I'm my, you know, I play piano, but I'm not amazing. I just, I like to rely on like just simple, simple melodies and chords and stuff. So I said, this is so complicated trying to play other people's stuff. I'm going to write it and then. It's my way and I can just do it the way I want. And it's super easy. So I was being lazy, basically. I,
1: I know what you mean, but it turned into something beautiful. So in a way, it still worked out. I know how you feel about like playing other people's music. I'm like, this is great, but I could simplify this.
0: Right, right, right. I like to make it easy and I understand it. And, and my husband's always funny. He's always like, um, make sure the melody is singable
1: for people. I'm like, yes, I will. I will. I'll do it. Got to put it in the lower, t- the lower range for him and stuff. Oh my gosh. I love that. What's, um, yeah. So I know I love the Catholic band. I love all of this. What's your own faith story coming into the church? Are you a cradle Catholic? What's, what's your story? Okay. So, um,
0: I'm a cradle Catholic. So is my husband. Um, and we, we grew up going to mass every Sunday, both of us, we had similar backgrounds, very similar. Um, we're both the youngest in our families and, um, our parents were very, adamant about mass. Like you don't miss Sunday mass. Like that was the thing. And so we, we attended Catholic grade school all the way through high school together. And it was, it was nuts. I think we even went to the same preschool, which is, Oh, wow. (laughs) I know. I'm like, like, that's just crazy. Um, but we, I don't think we really, the older we got, the more we sort of started straying from what, you know, the church teaches and we Mm. didn't it super seriously it was just okay this is something it was very compartmentalized it was very we do this on sunday and then mm-hmm. you know the rest of the week it's almost like leading a double life i guess eventually um so but that's that's kind of our background with our face
1: okay wow yeah that's so cool it puts a whole new <laughs> perspective on like high school sweethearts you know that's just so cool and how did you meet your husband, I guess, through preschool and through high school, right? Was there a specific moment you guys met, or was it just you always knew each other? So um, he was
0: in a band in grade
1: school, um, and I had oh. always had
0: a secret crush on him. Um, <laughs> but as, as boys are, you know, they don't really pay attention too much. So he mm-hmm. he was playing in his band. They would play the grade school. There'd be grade school dances, and he, his band would play. Um, and there was one time where they they'd have a different singer almost each time I noticed and around this time, around seventh grade, I started realizing I could sing. And, uh, I remember watching one of their singers get so nervous that he just walked off the stage. And I, I know I felt bad for him now. I feel pretty bad, but at the time I was like, I could do that. I would, I would sing. I wouldn't go off the stage. I'd stay, I'd do it. So I was feeling pretty bold and we actually went on a trip to Washington, D.C. in eighth grade as a a class. And my friends all were pushing me to sing in front of everyone because I would imitate different artists and stuff. So they had me get up on the bus and sing on the bus. (laughs) And it was so embarrassing, but I did it. And um, I remember after that, that night he wasn't on the bus but other people told him and they said oh my goodness you have to hear her sing and uh right afterwards he said you know you want to sing something for me we'd like to hear you sing i heard you could sing really well right singing right in the parking lot I, <laughs> I love like, boys <laughs> oh my goodness i'm like this is a disaster but um i sang for him and then they invited me to their next band practice so at that point, I was in the band, and then from there, we just started, music was a huge passion of ours always, so we we really took it seriously from, you know, the, like, I'd say age 13 on,
1: mm. was kind of what we wanted to do, so. Wow, that's so fun, though. I, I love that you guys had that connection so early on, because that's something you don't hear very often, is you know, meeting so early and then continuing that friendship into a relationship and then marriage. And now you guys have three kids. Like that's, that's just so beautiful. I love, I love stories like that. And when did you guys start, you know, your band, when you guys started creating this music and um, Mercy Divine and all that? So, um, we started at that young age and when
0: we started, we immediately started writing songs and that developed into, um, more and more serious thing as the years went by. So we, we played all the, you know, local clubs and all the, (laughs) with our secular music, a lot of it, we wrote ourselves and it was pretty bad at first, pretty bad. Um, but we ended up, uh, in our freshman year of college, Mm -hmm. we had written a song called invisible and that song we had recorded, it started getting attention, um, from major labels and they, Mm -hmm we're calling and they flew us to Los Angeles and we did the whole nine yards. We were wind oh. and dined and all that. <laughs> and uh, the song is kind of funny because it's about being, you know, feeling invisible and feeling insignificant to the world. Um, and so we went out, we showcased, um, we were going to get signed to this major label and they, they really wanted to push this song and um, <laughs> push comes to shove, you know, we're counting on this and it falls through. So it didn't help. Oh. Uh, which was actually a blessing in disguise. I'm so thankful that we didn't end up going that route because I don't know what I would have ended up becoming or how we would have faced um, that whole whirlwind of celebrity and fame and all that. So um, we, from there, kept working. And we decided to drop out of school. We had done college for a year or two. And at that point, we decided to just focus on music full-time, professionally. Um, And then... I guess the next thing that happened was the label approached us for that song again, for, for several different artists. And finally we we decided to allow Ashley Simpson to cover it. And that, that cover at that time, the video was on TRL. It was number one on there. And all these things happened with it, which gave us the, that's back when MTV played music videos. Um, (laughs) True. (laughs) I remember those days. (laughs) I know, right? It's crazy. Um, But that gave us the, uh, financial ability to move to LA and really do this even more. And at that point, we, um, our music changed. It started focusing less on ourselves and our angst and all that. Right. <laughs> it started becoming more prayerful, I would say, even though it was secular. It was, um, there's a song we wrote called Courage Is that ended up in a TV show at the time, the Secret Life of the American Teenager. I used to watch that show. I would not suggest it for anyone, but I definitely watched it. <laughs> great show. I was happy, though, that she decided to keep her baby in the show. I was, okay. I was like, if this doesn't happen, I would be upset. So that song was in there, and it was kind of funny and ironic because at the time, at the end of that show, every episode, there was an ad for Planned Parenthood. Oh. And so here's our song, you know, that is a prayerful song asking God to take all of your faults and all of your failings and your sin and transform it into something good. Um, And the song reached a lot of people. And I was, it was at the time, I didn't even make the connection between Planned Parenthood and the the show and my song and whatever. We just, we were pro-life. So we were very much like, please let this not be a bad show. Like it probably wasn't a great show, but at least the underlying. Right. They kept the babies and yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that was the first time that, we saw our song touch people's hearts. And, you know, it, it, we got so many letters from people saying, you know, Oh my goodness, your song and a a real pregnant teenager wrote in and said, I found the courage to keep my baby because, you know, you know, your song inspired me in the show and what, so whatnot. Um, But it was, it was life-changing for us to say, wow, we could do something positive. We could do something good with our music and it doesn't have to be selfish. It doesn't have to be, from that perspective. So that changed us a lot. Um, I'm sorry, this is a long answer. But...
1: No, go for it. I, I, I enjoy it. And I'm sure everyone listening enjoys it too. So from there, we,
0: we were living in Los Angeles. We stayed out there, I'd say like five years, five or six years recording mm-hmm. albums. Um, and as the music was changing, our hearts were changing too. So we got married in 2009 um, and our one of our, I think it was our first full length album came out called this is gravity on the day of our wedding. Oh, wow. It was cool. It was fun. Um, and we, from there, we, we were, ha- that's when we started having, once we got married, we started having some, some major challenges, I would say big challenges. And that, that challenged our faith, that challenged our marriage that, that we like right, right there, that first year was like, Whoa, <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's because we, we took that detour from, yes, we were always kind of on the edge of our faith. It was there, it was peripheral for us, but then all of a sudden there was this thing that happened. So I'll,
1: I'll go from there. Right. Yeah. And which that kind of segues into our next topic, which is about, you know, contraception and, you know, the, that whole thing, because we know now we know that contraception is a carcinogen. We know that it causes, you know, cancer, hair loss, weight gain. Infertility, so many issues in women and it's constantly used as a band-aid most of these women aren't even tested or anything with underlying issues people just instantly put them on birth control without even thinking and in a way it is an ab- abortion because or a, it, it's an abortion pill too because of the fact that it also prevents after an egg's been fertilized to implant in the uterus and so abortions also happen when you're on uh, plan b and so that's kind of what we're talking about now. And, um, I guess just kind of diving into your own story. What was your understanding and experience of contraception?
0: Sure. Um,
1: so being sort of having our faith there,
0: but on the edge, it Mm -hmm. was something I know we we were thinking back about it today. And I was thinking, did anyone approach the subject with us? Like, did we, I mean, did we really know? And I would have to say that throughout all the years of our education in the Catholic school system, we did hear the message, not a lot, not a ton. But I remember in high school, I had this one teacher who did say these things to us, but for some reason, I think I didn't want to hear that message. I think a lot of people didn't want to. And we just sort of, I wrote this teacher off as like, Oh, this is this old guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about, like, whatever. I mean, and in my mind, I was so um, I think my husband too, we were both so enmeshed in the culture and mm. the culture of death, really. Right. Uh, and so when it came time to, like, we were engaged for a long time, like three years. We lived together before we got married. And, um, but when we got married, I'm thinking like, oh, I need to do something. I need to get up. We can't have kids. We're in the middle of this career. We've, we've got to do this. We were very hungry for, you know, we got to make it like that's right. our and we don't have time for kids. We loved kids. I will say that we, like I said, we were always pro-life, but also, you know, my brothers and sister, my brother and sister are so much older than me. And then his brothers and sisters were older than him as well. So we got to see all of their children, um, be born and, and grow up and we babysat them so much. Um, we just loved kids. So I wouldn't say that it was a, Oh, I don't want kids kind of thing. Right. It was a. This is a good thing, but it's for later. You know, like once we're established, we can do that. <laughs> right. You know, um, so I guess we decided. So we made that decision. We we went to a pre cana day. It was a one day thing, and I remember being challenged on it. But I remember the couple that was there had two or three kids with them and their kids were crying. And I'm sitting here thinking this looks really hard. And I'm, and so we're talking and we're like, what do we do? This sounds like we're not supposed to do this, but then we're like, but how can that be right? This sounds so old, like old and not up to date. And, and, you know, we're immersed in this culture of death and, and the lies that are, that are spewed at us all the time. And so we're like, we made the decision, let's just Let's just do it because we can't have kids right now. We just can't. So, um, I I think we knew, but we shoved all that knowledge down. So, um, and and you go to a doctor and you trust a doctor. You think, oh, they're prescribing this. This must be like a medication. <laughs> like, let right. me. Do this it's you supposed know? to help me. Right. It's helpful. It's good. Yeah. So, um, so sh- very shortly, like I know that um, very shortly into our marriage. Things started to get tense and, um, very, very quickly I started experiencing health problems. Um, there was a night where I woke up in the middle of the night. Um, it was very, very healthy too. Like I know health problems, nothing had ever happened like this before, but I woke up with this weight on my chest. Like it was a thousand pounds and I felt so crushed and I thought I'm dying. Like I'm having a stroke and and then the numbness down my arm. Mm and then numbness into my tongue. I couldn't move. Like I couldn't speak. Oh! So I, I wake, I wake my husband up and I'm like, something's really wrong. And I'm freaking out. Um, it got to the point where at the, in this episode where I could not form words, like I couldn't get them out. They were in here and they wouldn't come out. So oh, frightening to me. So we ended up in the ER and, there was one, one moment where I went to the restroom and I was sitting there not knowing what was going on. And I just was begging God, like, don't let this be it. I don't want to die. Like I, it was, I was very afraid. So we didn't know what was going on. And I remember begging him and saying, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, but I can't die. I have to be a mom. And that was right. the first thought that came in my head was I have to be a mom, right? Have have kids, you know, and it was funny that and ironic that that popped in my head at that time, um, but uh, from there we discovered it was migraines, very complex with auras that I oh, never, wow. yeah, out of nowhere these crazy migraines, and um, so we went to a bunch of doctors, neurologists, all these people, um, and wanted to see what they say, the OBGYN, everybody. Hmm. And everybody said the same thing. It's not the pill. It's definitely not that. There's no way it can be. that. (laughs) Really? That's the only thing I've changed. Right. So we, I was very, um, I was very frustrated and upset. And then from there I started getting anxiety, like very bad anxiety, um, which I'd never had in my life. And, and I think it was this fear of dying kind of thing because of that episode, but also just the hormones and all the things that happen when you're on this pill. Um, and it took me a while to get to the point where uh, the last doctor I saw that told me like, yes, you definitely have bad anxiety. We're going to prescribe you this anti-anxiety medication to take, don't stop taking the pill. I'm like, what so at this point I just had, had it I was looking on forums I was reading different women's experiences and they were very similar to what I was going through and they all were saying it happened once they started the
1: birth control pill so at that That's point how that works? isn't that crazy and so, also the fact that the doctors don't even acknowledge it you know they're just like oh no it's fine it's not that it can't, it has to be something else right. like the way you said, it's just like no and the the list of you know side effects are literally a blanket. That's a, that was a trend on TikTok where people would pretend like the, the birth control side effects were their blanket. And I'm like, why would you put something like that in your body? Like, especially in today's society, we're so anti-hormone when it comes to cheese and milk and dairy and all these things. And then you put synthetic hormones in your body through this pill. And it's like, why, why are we like, oh no, anti-hormones in our food, but we're still taking them. I know it's, it's, yeah, people who are eating organic
0: or doing all these healthy things, but they're still doing that. I mean, and I'm not here to like condemn anybody, but at the same time, I just, I'm telling the way that what I went through and knowing there's so many other women going through it. And that was what finally made me feel like I'm not crazy. Like these other people are experiencing this too. Um, So that's when I decided to forget, I'm done. I'm done with this. I don't care anymore. I'm done. And that's when we started digging. And trying to find out, okay, so my high school teacher was kind of right. Let me look into this and see what the church actually teaches about contraception and why it's a no, why is it clearly it's unhealthy, but spiritually, why is it bad? So we started reading, you know, uh, a lot about theology of the body and things like that. And that, and, and at the same time in coincidence, like in tandem, not coincidence, but <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> there are no coincidences. Um, but it it was amazing. We were just flipping channels and somehow landed on EWTN, which we hadn't been watching or anything, but there was an episode of Women of Grace on talking about the birth control pill, talking about oh. dangers spiritually and physically. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And we for some reason my husband remembered. Uh, when he was a kid, there was a traveling statue of Our Lady of Fatima that would visit, and his family would pray the Rosary together. So at that point, we—I didn't know about Our Lady of Fatima at this time. I said, "This is amazing. I—I mean, want to." So I was reading all that. I'm like, we got to pray the Rosary. We right. This—it's time. We don't know what we're doing. Let's just start praying because that's most
1: Mary- time, though. I feel like it you know, it's not because you have an agenda or anything. It's just, you have this call. I think that's the best sort of faith, you know, is to just be like, I have this call to do this. Let's just do it. Even though we don't know what we're doing. Cause God doesn't call the qualified. That's right. We were totally lost. I think that was the
0: most lost point ever, but we were coming to a realization of
1: we need help and Mary's a great place to start. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do I love that. And I think that's so important too, that you guys did that together because so many times I also hear about couples who, you know, they're in relationship together and then one finds the faith, but the other one kind of drags their feet or vice versa. And it's usually Father Ripperger. Are you familiar with Father Ripperger? Yes, I love him. (laughs) I love him. He always says that it's usually the men who drag their feet. So to hear your husband be also in it with you is like just a breath of fresh air too. Cause I've, I, I get a lot of emails from women who say like, Oh, my husband doesn't want to pray with me or this or that. And it's like, you know, you just got to keep trying and, and keep, you know, uh, inspiring them and encouraging them. But to hear that your husband was on board right away with you is just great. Yeah. I
0: think because we had been through, I mean, he'd been through the ringer too with this whole thing, because with my anxiety, I was constantly needing to talk to him and I, I could not do anything. Like I couldn't work on music anymore. I couldn't listen to music. It was that bad. If I listened to a song, I I couldn't handle it. Um, It was, I was paralyzed. I was frozen. Um, And I remember writing this one song uh, called shelter. And I started the song in this place of anxiety when I started writing it. And at the first line is there's a sadness in my bones and I cannot let go of the sadness, let go of it. Like it was so stuck. And then as I got off the pill I was able to go into like songwriting sessions in Nashville and we were talking the song out and I was able to find hope at the end of the tunnel because I couldn't finish it because there was no hope at that time. And I, I didn't know where I was going to go. So how
1: was that that process for you getting off the pill? How was that? Was that difficult? I know a lot of people say they have like side effects from getting off the pill. You know, there's I don't, I don't know. I've heard a lot of stories. How What was that like for you? It was the day I threw them away. It was like freedom.
0: I just thought this is it. This is a poison and I'm putting it in my body <laughs> and I did it to myself. So I, I felt free. Um, I remember feeling, I think I originally, like I told you, I rejected like the, uh, I guess I kind of stuffed down all the facts about it being an abortifacient. Um, and when I looked through the pamphlet inside, it literally said that, and I go, oh my gosh, like I could have unintentionally aborted a child. And that wasn't an, like the worst thing in my mind that could, that there was such an evil and such a grave evil. And it was on my soul. And I don't know. I mean, we don't know, but at the same time I needed forgiveness really bad. I know my husband did. And we decided after praying the rosary for a short time, we went <laughs> to confession for the first time in years. And we just went in there with a laundry list and we're like, we're putting it all out there. And afterwards, I can't tell you the lightness and the joy. Um, That was beautiful. And the But the only thing I can say too about getting off the pill is things did not go wrong for me. I mean, everything was, it was a gradual incline going up with my, with getting out of anxiety. And any physical things, the migraines started to go away too. And it all, like everything just was gone. And I was like, Whoa, it was that simple, but it took a big, um, it took something scary happening and, and going through some suffering for us to say, Whoa, like, and I'm thankful for that suffering now. God's sending you suffering. It's a, it's a gift. It really, really
1: is. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And for anyone listening, this is your sign to go to confession if you haven't been in a while. Absolutely, (laughs) Everyone needs a little confession in their life. But yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And you know, whenever I hear about these stories as well, you know, we hear stories about like depression, medications being cursed from China and things, and a lot of exorcists have talked about that. And I've always thought to myself, like, well, where does that come in with like abortion pills and plan B and contraceptives? Because I'm sure that those have a spiritual component, you know, as well, because like you said, the anxiety, maybe it was because of the hormonal imbalance, but I also think there's this big spiritual aspect because, you know, if we're not in a state of grace, if we're in, this could be with anything, um, you know, we are open to those attacks as well. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree. I remember
0: calling, I called into, this is so we shortly after we had this conversion or reversion, I would say, back to the faith, we really not only started diving into theology of the body and wanting to do things the right way and changing the way we approached our marriage, but also we cared more about our faith and we started really mm-hmm. wanting to know more about our faith and and to practice it and to love it and to embrace it. And I remember we moved home probably, I don't know, shortly after that, maybe six months after that and um, moved back to Ohio uh, and continued doing music, but from there, um, and we, I remember calling into the radio program of EW10 when women of grace was on. And I called in and talked to Johnette Bank. it was funny. I told her, I felt like the spiritual weight of it was so, it was physically difficult, but I, I think my soul was feeling that sin, that the heaviness of it. And rejecting God in such a clear way and rejecting his plan in such a major way, right. um, it really affected us. And to have that weight lifted was just awesome.
1: Wow. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I know you mentioned earlier that you and your husband really love children. And, and you know, that's something that was always a part of your life. And you know, I look around the culture today and it's like, people hate children today. It's not even like, uh, oh, I dislike children. I don't want children. It's, it's hatred. Like kids are ostracized from society. They're even ostracized from churches now. You know, it's not like this thing that's like, oh, you know, well, kids are noisy and I don't really like them, but whatever. Now it's like insane. Why do you think our culture is so anti-child? I think it's part of like,
0: the culture of death and the selfishness of the culture, it's very much me, me, me. And um, I think it's also because, you know, the devil's attacking anything good and pure and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, children are under attack. And, and I think, you know, being a person that always loved kids, like we always laugh, we're like, we're like the Pied Piper kids, like would follow us wherever we were, like, they just loved us. So it's funny. Um, that, we were so influenced too by the culture. There was a, I remember there was an ad for birth control and um, it was a girl with a guitar in a band and in the ad, she was playing her guitar and rocking out and looking cool and whatever. And toward the end of the ad, she goes, I'm not ready to have kids right now. I'm doing, you know, this or whatever. And then she says, for right now, this is my baby. She holds her guitar and like, you know, puts it away. And, and, It's just, that's just the epitome of what's going on in the culture. It's this idea that children take from you. They, they, Mm -hmm. they steal your dreams and they take your dreams and you can't, and we had a fear of that too. Like not them stealing our dreams, but that dreams aren't possible with kids. Like once you have kids, like you're done, like you're on the shelf it's over. Like you right. focus on your kids, which you should focus on your kids and they're beautiful and they're sanctifying and they're the best gift ever. My husband was saying, he's like, if I'd have known, you know, then how amazing kids are and how life transforming in a beautiful, good, sanctifying, awesome way. He's like, I would have started way earlier having kids. We could have more blessings in our life, you know? So, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's beautiful, and I think that's definitely an issue these days. And also, people, you know, the new trend is fur babies. That's what we see all the time, where people are mom dogs, mom dogs, <laughs> dog moms. There we go, <laughs> cat moms, and things like that. I'm like, look, I love my animals. I have three cats and three dogs. I love them, but they're not children. Right. And I think we have. I think we're very lazy with our language these days, and it confuses us because language is important. The way that we say words are important. And when we say something's a child, when it's not our brain slowly starts believing that, you know? Right. And it's like the idea that you can replace that
0: with a pet, which yes, you love your pets, but it's a different thing. And, um, yeah, I, I have to say that we were, we had so much fear, even after we had had this reversion, we still had fear, um, of having a child. Which is crazy. I felt like I was doing something wrong. If I I remember a couple couple stories that popped in my mind. Um when we found out we were pregnant with our first, our daughter, Rain, um, I was like kind of in a weird panic. I was like, what am I gonna do? How do we still do music? We're on a label um in New York. And and what are they gonna say? And what are we gonna do? So I was panicking about that. And even telling my mom that I was pregnant, I was nervous to tell my mom, like, like I did something wrong. And when I told her, I was like all emotional and freaking out. And she goes, why would that be a bad thing? And I go, I don't know. I was afraid you'd be mad. She goes mad. She's like, what are you saying? I want my grandkids. (laughs) Right. So that's how deeply the culture was in like entrenched. in. even after having a reversion to still be afraid. I remember being pregnant doing several shows pregnant with our first and there was a show where i started i was starting to show and i was afraid of what people would think of me like oh you're you're old news you're pregnant you can't do this anymore or whatever Mm -hmm. and so i i was there and this man from like a local radio station who knew us he came up to me and he goes so i heard you're expecting and i said yeah and i said um and and i was expecting him maybe to say something snarky or i don't know um but he was he was super sweet and he goes he goes well that's the best thing you'll ever produce and i was like oh my gosh and it made me you know it's so it's so true it's so true like there's no song we'd ever write or no thing we'd ever do that would be more important or bigger or better than our children and we do treasure them they're amazing
1: Wow, that's beautiful. And I know exactly what you mean about that fear because that's a fear that the culture cultivates in younger people, like you were saying, where it's like, oh, you you can't do this and that, you know? But you can. How about instead of I can't, it's I can. And it's not, you know, oh, you can have this, but you can't have that. It's like, no, I can have this and I can have that. Yes, yes, totally. We need to understand that it's like we are, powerful we've been doing this for years you know i mean we've raised kids with less with less money with less provisions with less medical care like all this stuff i'm not saying that that's you know the 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 catalyst of all this but i'm just saying that we have been able to do this for thousands of years you know and as mothers like you i mean hundreds of years ago they knew that the most important thing they could do was create humans to repopulate the earth and we're underpopulated right now Mm -hmm. um And so it's because of that culture of death. And, you know, so many babies are being aborted every single day. Mm -hmm. And even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, it's still something we're facing in other states because states are considered, you know, Abortion havens, or you can get an abortion here like Colorado is one of those states Illinois is one of those states and there was actually that story of that one girl she was 14 I believe or maybe 13 and her parents were pro life. And yet, when she came to them and she told them like oh I'm pregnant, they were like you're ruining the family name we have to get you an illegal abortion out in Colorado. And this girl wanted to keep her baby and she was reaching out over, you know, phone to let them live people and to live uh, live action people and trying to communicate, like, how do I talk to my parents about this? And the more that she wanted to keep the baby, the more her parents pushed her to abort and they took her phone away. They isolated her. There's no way she can reach out. She tried emailing with a couple counselors for a while and deleting the email so her parents wouldn't find out. Um, But she's they've since lost contact with her and it's just so sad to know that her parents were openly pro-life and now all of a sudden it's like they, they turned on a dime and were like nope you're tarnishing the family reputation we have to get rid of this problem and it's like how could you do that how could you just you know oh it's fine for other people when it comes to my child though you know it's just so crazy how the world works and I just felt so bad for her oh that story is just so
0: heartbreaking I was wondering if anyone ever found out what happened or if <laughs> she went wow that is just ah, that's just crushing. I, I just, ah, I can't, I can't, that just kills me. And And part of me hopes she ran away and was able uh, to get out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's a big problem that the fact that there's not enough, I feel like the the pro-abortion side is so like, you know, making you feel like it's impossible. There's no, there's not enough of this empowerment there's no empowerment Mm -hmm. in that side there's it's all tearing a woman down like you can't do this you're not strong enough and it's like no you are you absolutely are and the women like you've seen beautiful stories where someone decided to keep their baby and they're like this is so amazing this is my life you know and even years down the road this is my son this is my daughter like i can't imagine life without them
1: right Um, yeah it's just it's crazy It's just insane to me how far it gets and how it's influenced parents I mean why would you want your child to go through something so horrific when you're pro-life and you know what it is
0: yeah that's and it's this whole thing now too with the there it's even like oh we know it's a baby we don't care like just mm-hmm. get rid of it or I don't know you saw the, the other one on Lila Rose with the surrogate and the yeah
1: oh um, my gosh that was
0: awful that's just
1: so hard For those who don't know, there was a surrogate who was uh, carrying a baby for two gay men, and basically she ended up, I believe, having cancer or something, and she wanted to bring the baby to term and make sure that the baby could be born and at least have a chance at life. And the the two men decided that they wanted to terminate the pregnancy, and she had no rights Mm -hmm. with that at all. She couldn't be like, Oh, well, because she said, I'll take care of the baby. You don't have to pay for anything. I'll do it. And they were like, no, we just want to terminate it. And so she had to go through a forced abortion Mm -hmm. um, under the penalty of, I think like jail almost Um,
0: something. So sad. It's just that. And you think about all the people too in the world that are trying to adopt or can't conceive Mm -hmm. and, and infertility. And you just, it's
1: just so sad. It's so sad. Like that could be someone else's little miracle, you know, and you're taking that away from someone else for selfish reasons. I mean, obviously, some people are coerced into abortion. Not everyone knows about it, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, most of it is people know what it is. Like, there's so much information on the internet today that the I feel like the people who don't know what it is are the younger ones who maybe haven't explored that side of the internet yet, but have still had these pro-abortion ideologies instilled into them through school or social media or their favorite artists like Olivia Rodrigo or Taylor Swift or somebody like that. So when they find out what abortion is, usually they switch sides. But... The thing is, is that I noticed the people who are older, they know what abortion is. They know what they're doing and they still continue to go through with it.
0: Yeah, it's it's very frightening that like and, you know, the, the idea that if you can kill something so the child so innocent and, you know, not even born, um, what would you do to anyone else going down the street? You know what I mean? Why all these people get beat up at abortion clinics um, trying to protest or pray or even be peaceful pro- protesters, you know? Um, and it's just, it's just, oh, it's just soul crushing. It's like, why does this have to happen? The other thing too is like the the no connection really. In a lot of pro life pro life people's minds, they don't make the connection between birth control and abortion. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not. And I didn't. I I was like, oh well, it's a totally different thing. It's not abortion. It's definitely not that. And in my mind, I wasn't doing anything that was detrimental to anyone, you know, at, right. at the time. Um, but yeah, like that is a big connection. The, the fact that it's that contraceptive mentality. Right.
1: Uh, mm, yeah, no,
0: I'm in control here.
1: <laughs> exactly. And that's the hard part is like, they still find ways, sneaky ways to commit abortions without you even knowing about it. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad to see. And, so in your experience, what are some things that like you wish people would have told you or maybe how do we spread awareness about this?
0: Um, I think I think that I I had people in my family who weren't quite willing to say don't do that. You know oh. what I mean? And I'm not blaming them. And I'm not blaming any one person or any one group. I'm just saying I think if you can be that person for somebody and try to lovingly approach them and explain to them like what this really means. And I think if I had seen or heard another woman who had gone through it and, you know, maybe like how I felt with health problems, all these other things at the time that might've maybe influenced me. I don't know. We were on a path. We were pretty like, this is what we're doing. But I also think it starts in the family and it starts by raising your family to put God at the center and love him and love his, you know, commandments, love his, love his, love the plan he set forth because it's a plan of love. It's not, it's not a plan of um, anything that cuts off freedom. It bill, it gives you freedom and knowing that I think that's it. Like a prayer life, you know, praying the rosary with your kids, praying as a family. Um, and I think, If you have that base of faith that you'll know that this is not right. I shouldn't be doing this. This is
1: going against God. Right. No, that's wonderful. And this was such a wonderful discussion. I'm so glad that you could come on here and share your own stories because I think this is what we need more of is more people sharing their personal stories about what happened, how they came out of it, or if they're still struggling with it, like things that they're doing to come out of it, because it's just so important that we share because it's a communal thing. You know, our faith is communal. And I think it'll inspire those who have faced the same issues. And it's, it's more common today than I think it was when I was a kid. And so um, that's something that I think is really important. So I really do appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Uh thank you. I think I like I
0: remember when this first all came, happened in my life, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops because I wanted more people to know the truth like no this isn't the way, like don't don't hurt yourself and don't you know hurt God in this way. Um and I know women have mm-hmm. medical conditions too where they are prescribed this for that condition and I know that's a very different like that's a different yeah experience than like what I went through but I mean, if you do have, if you do have a story and you're willing to share it, like that's again, like a really powerful way to spread awareness and tell people,
1: you know, the truth. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think we need more of that these days. And I think slowly we're starting to find more people doing that. Um, but I think we need more because, um, and ordinary people, you know, not just celebrities and people coming out about, it. I think we need everyday ordinary people to talk about it too. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, where can my listeners find you? Okay, so our
0: website is mercydivinemusic.com. and then also Instagram is Mercy Music, YouTube same thing we're at Mercy music, um, Facebook, all that stuff. So we're everywhere, and our our music is on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, and you mentioned the Queen stands, so that that was our first little EP that we put out. We want to do um, we wanted to make our first effort consecrated, and our whole band consecrated to Mary. So uh, uh, and, uh, like that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> got to start the right way, right? Start go exactly. right. <laughs> um, No, I love that so much. Um, but yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this and hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And with all that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys learned something and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with me, The Religious Hippie. Make sure to visit my official website at thereligioushippie.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with my latest news and offerings. You can also find me on virtually any social media site as The Religious Hippie. Thanks for listening.
0: A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyrighted by The Religious Hippie NFP. Any previously trademarked or copyrighted content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content.